Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And you are joining us today for the next installment, nay, the final installment in our sixth season here at The Well, worthy of honor. That's right. This is our season finale. We have spent the last eight weeks highlighting awesome women in the Bible to learn all that we can from their stories. And we have had so much fun. Uh, we were talking before this episode about how this has been our favorite season since season two, just like us. And the insight we've been able to get from our guests and just the on tape and off tape conversations we've been able to have have been everything from enlightening to humbling to just really, really funny. Um, and so we are so happy uh, with what we've been able to do this season. And we're excited to send it off in grand fashion. So as you know by now, surely for every episode of this season, we have been joined by a different awesome woman who is currently at work building the kingdom of God. And for this week's guests, we have a friend of ours who has been doing adult formation for over 10 years and discipleship with Renewal Ministries and other Michigan-based organizations. She's now lead staff to the USCCB Ad Hoc Committee Against Racism. Praise be to God, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he bears and she bears. We are joined today by Miss Danielle Brown. Danielle, how are you today? Oh, good. You totally caught me off guard with the he bears and the she bears. That's <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here with you guys. We're happy to, to have you. We... We uh, lived within proximity, like the four of us, with from one another a couple of years ago, and so we see, we see you a bit less now. But it's good to at least virtually see see you over the screen. And yeah, thanks for for being up for this. We figure out what we're doing here here at the season finale. <laughs> yeah, so happy to see you guys again. And I I just remember a lot of laughs during that time whenever I did see you guys. I pretty much just laughed nonstop. So happy to be back with you. Good. I'm sure there will be plenty on this. All right. The, the pre-episode um, meeting already had a lot. So we'll see. I'm sure this episode will follow suit. So we're going to start the season finale for Worthy of Honor as we start every episode with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, all you've got to do is email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. This question is a tag team from uh, Casa de Wesley, and it's about uh, tattoos. So the question is, do you have a tattoo? And if you don't, what kind of tattoo would you get and where? All right, that looks that look makes me think that I'm up first. I do not have a tattoo, um, but when I was in law school, to to knock off steam I used to watch Miami Inc which was this TV show on TLC all about this uh this ink shop out in Miami and the people that they used to do their art on anyway I used to daydream back then because I was in law school about getting a tattoo in white ink because I got a lot of melanin y'all um <laughs> tattoo in white ink um of the scales of justice that that's what I promised myself I was going to do when I graduated law school um times change people change um and I don't think that's what I would do now um but real talk I think I would probably get something I would definitely get something uh faith-based something religious um not necessarily an icon but maybe like a Celtic cross uh, mm. little known fact I do have uh serious Irish lineage and I've always been uh, really attracted to the Celtic cross so something where if I ever ended up in jail for my faith I could look at that thing and remember who I am so that's nice. a bad like and like if I'm ever in jail because of my faith I'll have this tattoo like for that yeah. that's way beyond like where my reasoning would allow me to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it Daniel you've got Irish roots. You're 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 Blirish is, is what I'm, I'm hearing. Blirish. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> Don't get him started, Daniel. He has an accent oh. to put on. Oh, <laughs> Daniel, you have, you have no idea how much how much life you're giving me right now. <laughs> All right. All right. Where, where where's your tattoo, Charles? 
Where? Where and how, Charles? Um, <clears throat> I don't have a tattoo, but I was just informed by my wonderful and beautiful wife that she often um, fantasizes about the fact that she would like me to have a tattoo. Literally, five minutes ago, I was informed that my wife constantly thinks about... I hope that audio makes it. <laughs> Keep that in. She's like, whoa, now don't oversell it. Oh, man. <laughs> so this is news to me. I had no idea. Um, but she is indicating that she would like me to have one on my bicep or my chest. So <laughs> the plot thickens. I continue to learn things as we record here. Um, I think if I were to have a tattoo, it would be one of two things. One, something faith-based across or something. I don't know. I haven't thought about it uh, very much, but I do have to give you props, Danielle, because I don't know the, the thinking about like if I was ever jailed uh, or persecuted for my Christianity, having something on me that like does not go away to remind like that's that's top level there um so something like that and i was also thinking probably because besides the lord the most important thing to me is family is my family some kind of memento of chelsea and my two kids or and and or the kids that will come uh, i don't know what that would be but something about my family nice and I, I have thought about this before. Um, and now I, I don't think I'm ever going to get a tattoo. Um, but if I did, I would most likely get a sleeve that goes from like all the way up my arm, down my upper back and my side, down my leg. Like Because we're just kind of shooting off whatever idea right now I'm allowed to imagine, right? Like sky's the limit. Um, I would get the six days of creation. Like depict like that I draw out because I I draw um, and so I would draw that out and just give it to whatever tattoo artist and I'd be like you're gonna make this now because I want this on my body. Now I kind of want you to do it. Like, yeah, like, it's out wow. in the. I'm with Danielle. <laughs> that's super that's expensive amazing. though. Because you know what it brings to mind is what? like sort of those celtic braids if you mm, mm. old versions of the bible how they have yeah. that braid down one side like yeah that would be your body like it would just be like this crazy amazing that would look incredible yeah yeah you but drawn it too so but it's not happening so <laughs> it's okay oh, he's like oh i'd never get a tattoo but since we're spitballing this like really in-depth like yeah. elaborate work of art if you're not going to get the, the tattoo, you, you are at definitely least still, not. Okay. Sorry. You still at least need to draw it out. Like that okay. needs to be like a thing that you do. And just, okay. I want to see that um, no, from okay. your brain on the, onto paper. Like, okay, cool. Caribbean male style. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> it would be cool. I do. I mean, that other than like the at the well neck tats, they're all going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, sure, Jarrell. <laughs> Let it be known now, listeners. I would never get a neck tat. Um, but if we if we found a way to uh, encourage listener interaction and to a certain point, we all get matching at the well tattoos. That's something Eli agreed to off off mic. So no, the only reason not. to talk about it here. Anyway, if I were to get a tattoo, um, so my wife Sandy actually like has wanted to get a tattoo for a bit. She knows exactly what she would get. There's a verse in Psalm 18. It's like, you, O Lord, like keep my lamp lit. So she wants a lantern like on her forearm. Um, and she'll probably get that within the next like year or so. I've never wanted a tattoo, but I've thought about it. And I think I've settled on, if I were to get one, it'd be pretty small, but there's a, um, I, I looked it up because I never remember the, the full verse, but there's a verse in Numbers 15 um, where God's talking to Moses and he says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I don't have this memorized, I'm reading it, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. 
Then you remember to obey all the commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. So if I were to get a tattoo, it'd probably just be on my wrist, like either on the underside or like right on top of some sort of tassel that I'd similarly, I'd like to design it myself um, with like the scripture reference next to it as like a physical reminder of that physical thing that God actually commanded Israel to do to remember who he is and who we are in response to that. So I don't, I don't know if I would ever get it, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh no, this is strictly biblical, like excuse to get a tattoo and I can make it look pretty cool. So yeah, will probably never happen, but that would be what I would do. <laughs> yeah. After, after the at the wall neck tats, of course, Eli looks like he didn't agree to, to be in solidarity with us with this. That's okay. We'll find a good tattoo artist. So as we've said, we are in the season finale of Worthy of Honor, and it's been an absolute blast to um, talk about all these women in scripture and to talk with so many friends and to just get their take. I've been, we've all been so blessed and encouraged by the varied um, responses to this next segment. And it's given us so much food for thought and spawned so many questions. Um, so we're going to dive into that now. As I've said uh, seven times before, a big theme for not only this season, but this podcast in general um, is 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so here at The Well, we want to be uh, three brothers, three friends um, who are equipped for every good work. We want our listeners to, through listening to this podcast, become increasingly equipped for good works that the Lord has for us. Um, and that means re relating to all scripture as God breathed, useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And it's something that we love to do in that we find often overlooked passages in scripture, often overlooked people in scripture to figure out like what kind of teaching the Lord wants to give us through their stories. And when we can, highlighting the ones that don't get as much attention. And so the theme for this uh, season from our bougie and tattoo aficionado friend Eli um, came from recognizing the, the stories of women in scripture are often not held up in the same way as men is, is pretty apparent from anyone who's read through um, the Bible and that we as men have a significant amount of privilege that we get to learn about the successes and mistakes of people who fundamentally are like us. And those are the stories that often get talked about. And so as a way to highlight the areas of scripture that we maybe wouldn't be as inclined to um, notice as readily, or is that the church at large doesn't talk about as readily, we wanted to do a series highlighting women to not only learn from their stories, as we said in the intro from when their stories happened, but also to get to what we do on this podcast regularly to apply them to the now. And so we recognize that within that there's elements, not just to the stories of women in the Bible, but also women's ministry and Christian womanhood that, you know, as guys, we don't fully have a grasp of and wouldn't really have one unless we took the time to ask and to learn from it. So um, Danielle, I'm going to throw to you in your experience, what aspects of Christian womanhood aren't seen well or understood? Yeah, so that's a heavy question, and, and it's really loaded. Um, when it comes to the area of ministering to women and the woman's heart in general, I think what can be really difficult are a few things, um, namely just this idea that because women in ministry um, and, and women having platforms in ministry, depending on, you know, your faith tradition can be a fairly uh, recent phenomenon that the space is still relatively small, certainly as compared to, to ministry that, that men do. Um, but within that smaller space, there can also be, uh, depending on where you are in the country, and again, your denomination or your faith tradition, sort of like this personality mold 
that a lot of women fall into. And if you don't see yourself in that mold, it can be really difficult to relate to, um, you know, whatever good word that woman or that ministry may have uh, for the people who do sort of fall in line um, or are attracted to that certain personality. Um, but, but then within that, so sort of like a subplot to the fact that there are very, very specific and different faith traditions and parts of the country types of women's ministry that really get uh, supported and lifted up and others who just don't because, again, there's this idea of, you know, what Christian womanhood looks like in a ministry space and sort of the, the tenor of even the voice um, that is prefer preferred um, that, again, if you, if you don't sort of line up with that and then you're you're kind of just out there alone and secondarily you know just this idea that um that i think we overlook how complicated it can be um to be a christian woman and certainly the women of the bible are, are really amazing examples um reminding us that just about every single one of the women in the Bible who are considered heroes are unparalleled examples of strength. And so this idea that, that being mousy or overly is just sort of wallflower-ish when it comes to the Christian life is part and parcel of being Christian um, is a complete fallacy and melts away in the truth of, of, of the word. So um, those are just a couple of things, and I, I hope uh, hope that made some sense. Um, but those are just some challenges that I've seen along the way. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, this, uh, we were talking with um, our friend Jackie a little while ago, and she spoke to this a bit and said, like, frustrations that she had as a woman who's very involved in ministry with her family and with her community. Um, she found that um, a lot of the times where what where she didn't feel seen was when questions about the ministry or like responses to questions weren't given to her directly but to her husband and this this kind of like overlooking and so and she spoke to like kind of the shift in how leadership in women's ministry has started to become more of a thing but like kind of what you're saying here it's like that's taken a long time and even with being there, it's not just, oh, we've got women in ministry now. It's like, you've got to be this kind of woman in order for that to get across. Yeah, that that's really interesting. I'm glad you glad you spoke to that. I think I cut off Eli. I want to let him speak, <laughs> jump. You're fine. Thank you, though. Um, yeah, Danielle, that is a really great point. I want to dig a little bit deeper into the idea that um, there's a personality mold that um, might be uh, more easily supported or uh, held in higher regard um, in terms of ministry? Like, do you feel like, or do you think that, or what has your experience shown you that you've not been in that mold? And how have you been supported or how or were you supported in not fitting into that mold as you worked and as you work in ministry? Or yeah. how have you taken up supporting or ministering to women who yeah. you also see, like, you don't fit into this mold. So how do I help you in? Yeah, that is a really good question. Has like, you know, 15 immediate answers, even as you're speaking. So I'll try to pare it down just a little bit. I have been exceed exceedingly blessed um, in my life as ministry. Because first of all, like, I really didn't pick ministry. Like, ministry just sort of picked me. And, you know, in, in, in the past, I've, I've told folks, and it's absolutely true, that I got into ministry mainly because I was angry one day, you know, and it was the campus, uh, campus young adult group or the campus ministry group for the undergrads um, was planning retreats and all of the reflection songs were country music. And as, as somebody who listens to country regularly, like, I don't have a problem with that, but, but it made my heart ache because I was just like, you have no idea how many people you're alienating doing this. And so just like the mere choice of picking country music for every single, you know, and so I got into it because of that and it just kind of took off from there. But I will say because of my faith tradition, I'm sort of like a unicorn. And when I came along um, into ministry and, and showed up as somebody whose heart was on fire for the Lord and to spread the gospel and to preach his name, 
people were just like, oh my gosh, we have to like push her to the front, you know, like give her the responsibility. So, so, you know, like I didn't have quote unquote, like, you know, holy competition, like some other women may in that sense, you know, and, and was I always supported? No, but for other reasons that were much more complicated, having really not a lot to do with, with me being a woman, but also like, I feel, um, a, 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 a converse to this question is like my heart also aches for good male leadership because there are way too many Christian circles where the women do everything you know, and there's like a total absence of and and it's not necessarily like a a, a, a lack of um, th- that I want women to come out of ministry but it's more just that there needs to be both a feminine and a masculine spirit in every ministry um and not necessarily like we're we're kind of mis- mixing you know ministry to women versus you know ministry to men but but in the broader sense when it comes to pushing forward um ministry in general i really think that there needs to be a balance between the, the masculine and the feminine and those geniuses really need to come together and be balanced and in some christian leadership circles like it, it just is not balanced um and so you know while i'm all about women's ministry particularly ministry to women um, there is a need for for good and holy men to actually be good and holy men because it actually allows us to flower into who we are supposed to be. There's a lot of aspects and contours to the question that I've kind of veered, um, but I do want to make clear that you know women sort of just ruling and, and taking over and in and, and all aspects of ministry, I don't think is what the Lord intended, um, but a balance. Anyway, I'll stop there. No, you don't have to stop. You're preaching. <laughs> You're reiterating a lot what has been said on this podcast before. You're cooking as Jarell is pantomiming. So yeah. yeah, this is great. Yeah. You're preaching right now. We're we're just getting warmed up. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much for <laughs> your insights there. I'm really excited to see what happens uh, when we get into the passage here. It'll be good. It'll be great. And this week's passages are from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, 46 through 55, and Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. Pray for me. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. This may be a hot take, but you've got to be pretty remarkable to be the mother of God. Mary's life of talking with an angel, giving birth in a barn, raising the Messiah, and following alongside him as he went to his death are acts that detail immense faithfulness, humility, and strength. Mary was an incredible disciple, and there's a lot we can learn from her. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. 
For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations, generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant in Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they, had, they made widely known the saying which is told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Gentlemen and lady, what can we learn from Mary's story? So two immediate points um, that stuck out to me, uh, which made me both impressed with Mary, um, but also caused me to um, sort of think about her personal divinity, um, is that one, compared to most people's reactions to angels throughout scripture, is that they panic, right? <laughs> There's just fear, even slightly before this one. And this came to me as Jarrell was reading it. Like, Zechariah panicked when Gabriel approached him. It says that he felt he was, like, terrified at the sight of him, and he fell in fear of him. But Mary is, like, not even bothered <laughs> by the appearance of this supernatural being. She was, she was thinking about and considering and troubled over what he said, not that he appeared to her. And so she's just like, all right, what's up, Gabriel? <laughs> what news do you have from on high? Um, which, I don't know. Gabe, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> but it, is, it speaks to this, like, supernatural familiarity with the presence of God's messengers. And I'm just like, that, that is on, like, let's go. I, I, right? Like, I have no words for how amazing that is. She's either one of the few, if not one of the only people to react that way to, to angels that I, that I can recall. I, need, I feel like I need to do a Bible study now specifically on that. Um, and the next one is just that, so just marveling over the fact that, um, like, once again, and I don't mean to, this is the, will be the last time I compare or bring up Zachariah because it's mostly about Mary. And so um, just this woman knew the scriptures um, deeply. Uh, and the fact that like Zechariah priest um, who had plenty of source material for how God has interacted with um, uh, blessing barren women or women struggling with infertility. And he's just like, how's this going to happen? Bruh. You know how it's going to happen. You've heard about it before. Why? Why are you tripping right now? But she, like, a virgin birth has never happened before. And so she's like, all right, I know that God is capable, but I, there's no reference point historically for this. So her question, it doesn't, her, her question doesn't come from a doubt of God's character or a doubt of God's power or a doubt of his authority over reality. Um, but just like practically, Lord, We've seen this before. Like, like, we've never seen this before. I know how sex works. Why? Huh? And and so just, I don't know. There's there's um, a familiarity with gods, with divine things that that 
impresses me and a knowledge of scripture that I honor and laud Mary for. Love it. Love it. Um, so for those of you who couldn't see me, I was going crazy as, as my brother Eli was speaking. I was losing my mind. Well, uh, well. <laughs> but I, I would, uh, I would, I, I don't play poker, but I would raise you and I would see you this comment. <laughs> just that, you know, it's not just that uh, this, this virgin birth thing had never happened before. But, you know, as, as much as I have read these passages before, this point where she says, how can this be since I have no husband, we've already been told that she was betrothed to a man named Joseph. And, you know, and, and leaning into this section um, with, with pastors that, that I've come across you know, the thing that they've made me realize is, well, if you're engaged, that means that you're going to be married and you will consummate the marriage and there will be fruit from that marriage. And so what this passage suggests further about her is that, you know, she knows that she's betrothed. She, like you said, she knows how, how babies come into the world um, but but that passage really denotes that uh, she she has sort of pre pre identified that her vocation will be a chaste one even within her marriage, and 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 that that is the the reason the deeper reason for that question, um, and it's not to say you know some people kind of extrapolate and want to talk about well that that's that's an arrangement that she and Joseph already had, you know, he was an old man anyway. So, you know, they were seeing this as a way for her to live out her virginity in a protected uh, situation or state. Now, other scholars say, no, you know, Joseph would not be a heroic uh, saint, a, a venerable saint of chastity, saint of fatherhood, saint of, of, uh, patron saint of husbands, if he did not practice not only heroic charity, heroic bravery, heroic providing, heroic protection, but also heroic chastity in the midst of this relationship that he had that was every bit as um, as full of passion, as full of love, as, as a conjugal marriage. Um, and, and so and so this question about having no husband is 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 so deep and so profound because it it tells us how she had envisioned her marriage how she how she how she planned on on living out her her life as as a woman in the midst of this family um so it's just it's it's so profound. And the other thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll stop at this point so that the rest of you can, can pour in here, but, you know, just again, reading these words again, in my mind, even in my mind, I was almost whispering because as I'm reading, I'm like, I can't believe I get to, I get to read these words, like these inspired words of the Lord. Like this is the word of God and I get to read it and I get to read the word of God about the incarnation. And, and I kept just thinking like, this is so sacred. This is so sacred. This is such a gift. These words are so sacred. Um, but yeah, there's so much that we can learn about her. And, and last, last thing. <laughs> Uh, on this point is just, I think we can learn a lot about obedience um, because she got this message, she believed it, and she immediately said, okay. She was always doing things with haste. Uh, it's just amazing. And she wasn't told specifically to go see her cousin, um, but, but she did out of love and out of charity. She's just amazing. Yeah, I'm struck by her responses, right? Like, and both of you touched on them, but even, and I was struck by, it's not like 
like I think about if an angel came to me and told me what Gabriel told to her, I'd be like, what do you mean? Or I'd be like, get the heck out. Like, who are you? Why are you in my room? That's not Mary's response. It's, it's, how can this be? It's not doubting God. It's like, can you give me the particulars? Can you give me the details? Cause I just don't understand with my human brain. And the angel then gives the, oh, the, um, the power of God will overshadow you, which is very interesting because I read that the word overshadow, I think in the Greek, is the same word that is used in Exodus chapter 40, verse 35, when the Lord comes down to the tabernacle for the first time. Uh, the Lord's presence is the same word, overshadow you, um, which is a whole nother thing about tabernacles, and we get into that. But the angel gives goes into this description and Again, if the angel gave me that description, I'd be like, what? No, that doesn't make any sense because there is no precedent for this. Like, what? And that's not her response. It's here I am. I come to do your will. Like, just let it be done. And I think that says so much about her character, about her willingness and her obedience, her connection to God, her humility um, to say, I wasn't planning this. <laughs> um, I wasn't planning on getting pregnant. Uh, I wasn't planning on bearing the Messiah. Um, but apparently it's me. So let it be done according to your word and to, according to God's word. And, and, and yeah, there's a lot to be said there about humility and obedience um, that we can learn for sure. And then your girl, like, she gives shots out to Hannah of the Old Testament. Right? Right? Like, preach. I was going to talk about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just saying, like, she's so dope. Like, she's so dope. She learns that she is going to bear the person that all of her predecessors in the faith have been praying about, and 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 literally living their lives begging the Lord that they would get to see, and then she honors her ancestors like wow 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 i it's just it's breathtaking it's absolutely breathtaking okay i want to i, I want to jump on the end of that because it's so, i love that you brought that up i love that you brought that up i was reading it's in first samuel 2 1 through 10 it's hannah's prayer of thanksgiving so um, beautiful it's so beautiful, but like it taught me something about prayer that mm. I have not, that I, I, I realized when I was reading the, through these two women's praises and prayers, I'm like, oh, I pray really selfishly. Like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I pray without like acknowledgement of the history of God's hand, mm. um, not just in my life, but in, but across generations. Like I was raised in a Christian household, praise mm -hmm. God for that. And there were Christians before then, praise God for that. And just like, so the note I wrote so I can focus this comment rather than just spazzing out in excitement <laughs> um, is that between the two of these women, there's also a great understanding of God's handiwork having a global impact. So specifically with Hannah's, um, she said, uh, the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. Uh, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. And the global part of, of Mary's prayer is he, he has he uh, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his offspring forever and this is this follows your note of just like the what the Lord promised with his mouth he is fulfilled with his hands mm. and and how short-sighted are my prayer times where I'm just like Lord help deal with me but like God, God, as he deals with my life, he is also simultaneously working out matters that affect the entire world. Like there is nothing that is like God works with both a scalpel and 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 just it, I, I can't there there aren't words. But hallelujah, praise be to God who who Fine. knows how to act on all 
levels in all ways affecting more than one person at a time in detailed way it just it's incredible and they and and both of these women understood that in the midst of their prayers and and praise god that we have this as an example of like this is how you pray sorry sorry right, but like, hasn't spoken yet <laughs> sorry go ahead danielle you should i mean somebody else should but like just real quick like we're such idiots right like we are such idiots like particularly in this time and this age, like we're such idiots because it like it doesn't matter who you're talking to under the age of like 50. It's like we cannot get our heads around that we are not the only generation who have lived here. And it's like we have such a unilateral sort of one-dimensional understanding of time, of history. It's like we didn't inherit you know, and if we did inherit, it's for the reason that we've contrived and it's for our own purposes. Like we have no concept that this is a continuation of salvation history that we are merely the inheritance of. Like, oh my gosh, whoa, you know, but but they get it. Like these women get it. And it's so amazing. I love that. Um, throughout a lot of what Eli was saying, Danielle, you were, you were hitting them with what we in the Merrill household for to as the boo-boo face. Like when someone's like really like cooking or something like really good is happening. And it's just kind of this, I, I feel like most people are aware of it, but particularly in the black community, it's a particular right. face of just like, Oh this no, you, nasty. you nasty. are like, that is absolute filth <laughs> in the best possible way. And you were just kind of rocking back and forth with like this, like trademark boo-boo face. And I was just like, yes, Danielle. Yes, Eli. <laughs> so thank it's you for that, that. Both of you. It's that black woman rock when you just like, have mm. it up in you and you just can't, <laughs> can't sit still. You just got to rock with it. You just it's like, mm, I need to let them know with my movement and my face that they, right. It's hidden. It's hidden. <laughs> but no, I and yes, yeah, such such insightful points there of particularly that part about history and just salvation history. Because that last line, I'm gonna talk about that section of Mary's prayer as well, um, from a slightly different perspective. But like that last section of like he has helped Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Like I've probably said it on this podcast a few times, but God is a God of remembrance. And it ties into everything that he does, like, especially in the Old Testament. Like I said, I know I've said probably too many times, loyal listeners, forgive me and thank you. But he introduces himself often by reminding people of like what he's done throughout salvation history. And so I, I love both of your points to in this reference to Hannah and just the general, the beauty of the Bible, of the Bible being written as something that is self-referential consistently and self-fulfilling consistently like speaks to God's sovereignty and majesty, like through which, like, like you said, we're such idiots. We should know that, like, this is just what he does. And it should be the way that we think of our part in salvation history as well. Um, so thank you both for that connection to Hannah. I, I love that that's kind of the model that God sets of like everything that is happening is referring to things that God has already said. Everything that has been happening now is a more full version of things that God has already done. Um, I also loved uh, this passage, like in the verses right above that, he has shown strength with his arms, scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts, put down the mighty from their thrones, exalted the lowly, um, filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. There's particularly in who Jesus is and who he was to like South, like, um, women, Jews at the time was very, Another thing we probably touched on very like countercultural to what they were expecting. And like Mary's prayer here hits on that because it wasn't, oh, he's like, it is, he's scattering the proud and lowly, but it wasn't like, oh, he's coming for this like massive, like military victory, or he's coming to like free us from Rome and the taxes that like were levied against people. It was raising up the lowly, scattering the rich, not just among like who we see from a secular perspective as our enemy, um, but just a sense of like, he's coming to do things differently. Like he's coming to change the way that we think about um, what's like, what, the way we consider what a Messiah is. And I think that like months ago, there was a, I was like reading in John and 
there's a passage where Jesus talks, it talks about Jesus um, withdrawing from a place after he spoke to people because he didn't, basically they didn't want, they wanted to make him king and he left because of that. And it's been on like in my head for like since then of do I see Jesus as simply a king or do I see him as savior? And like, what is the scope of both of those things? Because like king has like so, a lot of secular connotations of dealing with kind of some of the day-to-day stuff that is at my discretion of what I want, like some sort of ruler to kind of handle for me, where savior is like, no, he's it. And if, if he's it, that means falling in with him and trusting him, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it is an angel who's like, yeah, you're going to have a baby, even though you're a virgin. Oh no. Yeah. You're going to give birth in a barn. And so like this section here, I think speaks to like the countercultural nature, nature of how Jesus came how he continues to work in our lives today and in salvation history today. And just this general notion of needing to be open and needing to kind of check our own expectations at the door because Jesus came to kind of challenge those and to all to kind of root up, firm up this foundation of him as savior, as like the thing and like that thing that is trustworthy, even when, our expectations don't necessarily align, like challenging us to change those expectations. Just a small note, um, you know, with your comparison to Hannah, it strikes me that I don't think we've talked about this woman in the Bible in this, um, in this season, but Miriam, um, Hannah and Mary in response to God's sovereign hand in their lives, their immediate response is like Miriam it's to like break out in song I was listening to a talk and like as a little tangent and the you know the Israelites are like packing on the go to leave Israel or to leave Egypt and they're free and suddenly and like oh they're free the Red Sea parts they go to the other side and Miriam breaks out this tambourine and then all the other women break out a tambourine as well and musical instruments and you decided to pack that like you're, you're enslaved and Jesus is like, I'm going to set you free. What do I pack? What do I pack? I got to get the tambo. Got to get the tambo. But like, anyway, <laughs> this is the funny aside because all the women do it, but they break out in song, right? Of praise and jubilation and worship the Lord. Same with Hannah, same with Mary. There is something about these women and their disposition. They know how to respond to God's sovereign hand and work in their lives. And I so often can just be like, give a parting, like, thank you, Lord. Like you answered that prayer. That's nice. That makes my life convenient. But these women like take time and effort to, to give a very concerted prayer that like reveals their heart about knowing salvation history, about acknowledging who God is and what he's done in their lives. And yeah, um, there's uh, I think far too often we diminish or don't point out that these women uh, are on like priestly level in terms of like how they respond to God's sovereign hand. Yo! (laughs) Yo! Yes! I mean, yes. Okay. There's like 13 different conversations just in that last comment. Like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So two things especially stuck out to me from what you just said. So the first obviously is like the priestly level portion that is so profound. Number number 2 is just the rel- uh the the revelation of heart to and for the Lord like so gorgeous. And and here's the part where I, I will speak like full woman here is that man, the world pounds you down. And I think like, especially because of where we have come as a society and sort of, you know, the evolution of the role of women in society, you know, and and not all women, but I think that there can be times and situations where women are sort of thrust into these situations where you are, are, you are sort of the pinnacle of, of, feminine genius right you know like you you are filling this space in a really beautiful and proper and ordered way and you are not 
uh, grasping for control like Eve did, you know, the, the, the you know, and, and here we're talking about the second Eve who was, was doing the opposite of, of grasping, was, was the opposite of trying to chase after control, right? Um, she is, she is the pinnacle of receptivity. She is the pinnacle of, I am giving over all control. Like I'm literally giving you control over my womb. <laughs> it does not get much more receptive than that. I'm letting you create life without me. All that I'm giving you is consent and you are doing everything else. Wow a model of a disciple, right? And so this, this idea of um, a woman showing her heart and revealing her heart in, in sort of this Holy Spirit vacuum, you know, like I, in my brain, it, it's sort of like uh, the sort of in the stone moment where the, the light comes down on the stone and there's a sword in it and it gets drawn out by the per the one true person who's supposed to be the one who bears the sword, right? And this is the same sort of thing in my mind. And, and she's just, she's just able to set step into this role. And, and there's just this like divine vacuum of total oneness with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, wherein she is completely free like you don't spout this type of prayer unless you are downloading the Holy Spirit, unless you are one with the Father, um, unless you are completely and totally given over to his power. And that's that's what this this was. Um, and and as a woman, like it it can be so hard to to just relate, you know, um, this sort of like bottom of the heart type thing. And I'm not going to get into psychology, but there's a psychology model just real quick where and you always want to be at the bottom of the triangle. You know, we have our defenses and we have, you know, these negative emotions and we use our defenses to sort of cover up the, the negative emotions. But we what we want to do is figure out how to get to the bottom where, where our true emotions are, where a true heart is. And that is where Mary lives. She lives at the at the bottom of her heart, and and so when she speaks, it's just ah, it's just pure strength. It's pure love. It's pure trust. It is it is pure joy, and it's so strong. There is nothing weak about this woman, and it's it's so striking. Um, and then the last bit, just this priesthood idea. You know, in, in, in my faith tradition, you know, there, there's a small number of people, relatively small number of people who are always wanting women to have some part in the ministerial priesthood. But the, the truth of the matter is that our priesthood is evident in the glory of Our Lady, you know, and if, if women were living their lives and, and were bottom of the heart sort of living in this Magnificat and, and uh, occupying all the space that we have to occupy, which we don't, and, and doing it in the proper way without control and complete receptivity, I think we would blossom into new levels of understanding of both our femininity and, and, and the feminine way in which the Lord works and, and sort of the feminine nature of, of the Trinity. And, and we would just live into that and, and feel the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord and, 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 and of God and, and what he really meant for womanhood to be. Um, there's so much to that comment that Charles made. And I think it's just, it's, it's gorgeous because she's clearly living in, in what we would call, you know, her role as priest and prophet and 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 a kingship and 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 the kingdom here, it's just gorgeous. Amen. Better preach. You better preach. <laughs> well, well. I forgot what I was even thinking for a second because I was just Glory listening to, to you being taught by you. God, Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Um, one thing that you stood out to me. Danielle, that I'm going to react to is um, the strength of Mary that you highlighted in um, being in this humble and receptive place. Um, and I think one thing that uh, while 
it shapes up differently for me as a man. I think I'm still able to learn from her. And it, as it pertains to what she said in the, in the Magnificat, um, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Um, in this, uh, particularly in living in a, a wealthy Western nation, um, our rhetoric compels us, encourages us, and rewards us for biting and clawing our way out of and away from humble estate. We look down at the humble. Um, we look down at and scoff at um, being um, allowed to fall into a humble place, maybe an inconvenient place, a low place, a dirty place, a poor place. Um, and we say, well, the goal is to is to get out of that. And yet a third of her praise to God is honoring the fact that he put her there in the first place. The Messiah, the one who saved the world, who constantly rescues and counsels us daily, was born from the womb of a poor woman in a dirty, wretched, like, barn with animals. Like, that is where God decided to bring himself. Uh, and I think as, as disciples of Jesus, and again, this is what reading about Mary, this is what reading Mary, the words of Mary and, and the insight that God allowed her to give us and in, in, recorded in the word is like, don't listen to the world. Don't let it trick you out of believing that a low place is somehow not the place I have for you. Um, I am there. That's where I am. I exalt the low, right? And so when I bring you low, don't fight that. And so there's a receptiveness that I think, um, not simply women, but but men alongside them learn where it's like, if God is humbling you, um, that is because he ultimately plans your exaltation. Um, and so like, be blessed in being humbled. Um, rejoice in 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 being brought low and knowing your place and your status before the Lord of hosts. Um, and like that strength where you can be in a low place in the world and not scramble to get out of it, right? That's strength that relies on the Lord. That's actual power. Because when you're brought to a low place and you're constantly like, I need to get away from this. I need to escape. That biting and clawing makes you look like a wounded animal who's been cornered, not like a saint who knows that they've been saved. So, yeah. Um, thank you for saying that, Daniel. I appreciate that. And praise be to God. That's all. <laughs> we, be, we be your fools. <laughs> I wish this video was available. <laughs> That's all I got okay. to say about that. It, First Peter 5, 6, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So thank you for for preaching this and again bringing that even more full circle to what will be written after uh, this point um the last thing i want to say and, and uh, both something that stuck out to me and also in response to something you said danielle of like in speaking to mary's strength and speaking to um just what she models and like her openness her receptiveness as you said eli and danielle you said you have to be like so in tune with the holy spirit to do something like that and so like couldn't like consent to like yeah do do whatever i'm here for it and i think so a lot of that comes like i there's this what verse is it 19 where all this stuff happens the shepherds show up um angels appear all this crazy stuff happens like we love and i think we've all done an amazing job this episode of kind of like this is what is actually happening. Like a poor woman betrothed to this guy gives birth to the son of God in a barn. And then shepherds come to herald his arrival. Angels are appearing. Like it's all these things. And after all of that it says, but Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And I, I love that so much. Cause I think it speaks to like, like I said, Eli being strong in the Lord is not just kind of trying to shake yourself free of being in a lowly state. Danielle, you said being strong in the Lord is being in tune with the Holy Spirit. And in this, like, you know, Mary's just given birth and all these things have happened. 
but she's also allowing herself to like quiet her spirit just to kind of take in and kind of sit with the Lord and, and process like these are the things that just happened to me. Um, which again ties into this idea of God as a God of remembrance, but I think also models for each of us like the importance for yes, doing the work and yes, being open to the things that the Lord leads us to do, but also sitting with him and also like allowing ourselves to be ministered to where we are, like after all the crazy stuff has happened, before all the crazy stuff has happened, but like taking on a posture of sitting at the Lord's feet for whatever it is that he might have for us. Um, because that's something that I like, I think we can get really caught up in the, yeah, let's go take the land. Let's go do the things. But Mary here is showing the necessity. And I think like the, the kind of practice that forms the character of someone who God like, like can ask something that massive of, of just like being able to sit with him ponder these things in her heart and allow whatever God has for her there to shape her going forward. And I think there's something there that speaks to just like personal prayer that speaks to getting in the word regularly um, and trusting that like God has something for us when we quiet our spirit and intentionally put ourselves before him. Well, and how well do we do that after, like, I know each one of you, or you wouldn't be sitting here, have had moments where the Lord has, like, done this thing, and it's just like, I can't believe he did that, you know, like, I can't believe this happened to me, and how well do we just sit in that pocket, you know, how well do we just sort of say, wow, you know, like, you are the same God that delivered Joseph, you know, from, from the clutches of his brothers who delivered, you know, that all of the Jews uh, out of Egypt, like you are the same God that, that rose from the dead, your son, like you were the same one, like you took this impossible situation that was my life and you set me on solid ground. Like, I can't believe, you know, like <laughs> I do believe is the only answer, right? Like, and just sitting in that pocket and just saying, and, and letting that truth and that, that goodness and that fruit just kind of like, like slide down your head, you know, like, like some honey, right? Um, uh, how, how well do you do that? You know, um, how well do you sit in that joy and, and in that appreciation? Amen. Well, that's that's a heck of a one, of one to go out on. Thank you so much, Danielle. That was wonderful. So we were at, an, at a really cool point that like we did not plan. Um, we've been recording uh, these these eight episodes over the course of several months, um, and have had to jump around between just based on availability. So the the order in which they release is not remotely the order in which they're recorded, but. Um, as we sit here uh, late November, this is the last episode that will come out for this season and the last episode that we are recording. So this is officially bringing a tying a bow around um, season six worthy of honor. Um, and just before we, we uh, close out formally, I just want to say thank you to all of our guests, to Lydia, Danny, Kathleen, Kayla, Jackie, Steph, Jasmine, and Danielle. Um, this has been so fun and so insightful and so I don't, I, there's so many things like just edifying, encouraging. It's an encouragement of just the way that the Lord is moving um, on the earth. It's a way it's encouragement of the way that he is moving um, in men and in women in very particular ways. And it's been eye-opening and just so heartening of the work that he is about through each of our guests in the ways that he's advancing the kingdom. So thank you for being a part of this with us, for sitting down with us and uh, offering your time and yeah, for teaching us more often than not, <laughs> we were able to really, in a lot of cases, just kind of sit back and, and just listen and take notes. And it's been a joy. Um, so to all of our guests, uh, Danielle, uh, especially thank you for 
yeah, doing this with us and teaching us so much with through your sacrifice of time and wisdom. Such an honor to be with you three. And I, I'm going to hold back my gushing, uh, maybe not, um, and just say that you three uh, need to be honored. Uh, you three need to be thoroughly and full-throatedly honored uh, by women because, you know, like I know a good number of the women in your lives. Um, and, you know, even though I don't talk to them very often, I just, I, I think that you guys cannot uh, understand uh, the place that you hold just in the community. And it cannot be understated how important your witness uh, collectively and individually is and um, talk about edification. You know, I, I will be frank and say that way too many uh, men in general have a terrible rap, a, a lack of godliness is, is sort of the, the tagline and um, you put the lie to all of that. And it's, it's such an honor to sit down with three super godly men. I am not blowing smoke um, who believe the Lord is who he says he is and want to follow him. And it, it's such an honor to talk to you and, um, and just to spend these brief moments um, getting into the word and, and just mining the riches that, that are there. So thank you um, for doing this, for conceiving this project and, um, and for following the Holy Spirit and his promptings and, I just want to call down the Holy Spirit upon you to bless you and to um, to continue to grow you each in your manhood and in your generosity and in your leadership and in your fatherhood. Um, you don't have to be <laughs> you don't have to be a biological dad to be a father. Um, believe this. Uh, the fruit is abundant and your children are everywhere. So I just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, may God bless you and, um, and the Holy Spirit just uh, emanate. Thank you so much uh, for his glory and for the good of the body. And we're delighted to do that with this, this little project of ours in our corner of the world. So, yeah, we will. Uh, We'll be back soonish. Um, we'll be off for a couple of weeks as we um, close out stuff um, with this episode and with the season and as we start planning for season seven, which will be available in the new year. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone who has followed us through these last couple of weeks. We spread episodes around to share with people. Um, it means a lot to see the way that uh, this is impacting the spread of the gospel and we hope that you'll join us for our end of year episode which will be out sometime in december and for the really fun stuff we've got planned after that so then you can always check us out at thewell.podbean.com we upload up new episodes every other monday on podbean itunes spotify and google podcasts you can also connect with us on instagram and facebook by searching three guys at the well and if you want even more content and would like to help the podcast grow consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our Jesus in the movie series and an extra 20, 25 minutes of a conversation we started with Danielle at the beginning of this episode. So if you want more of that and more of Danielle, consider becoming a patron. We'll talk to you soon here at The Well. <laughs>